Hi everyone and welcome to another podcast of Globalize Asia. Cancer is an unfortunate word we hear regularly these days. There are charities, marathons, TV advertisements, etc creating awareness of the disease. Our guest today is Tony Thakur, who is a pediatric hematologist oncologist, i.e. doctor specializing in cancer in children. Let's hear from her some of the facts and challenges of the profession. Welcome to Globalization Dhwani. It's it's a pleasure having you here. You're all the, you're here all the way from India, and you're a practicing oncologist specializing in pediatric oncology. So, uh, what brings you here to the UK then? I basically have done my basic training in, in medicine and pediatric hematology and oncology in India, but I'm here for a fellowship in at Royal Infirmary Edinburgh. that is like more so to do with hemostasis and thrombophilic disorders so that's what brings me here oh interesting so um so how's the experience been like so far well it has been good so far excellent and just just for from layman's point of view so i understand oncology word and pediatric word but how would you explain those terms to a general audience so um pediatric is anything that is uh, pertaining to children and pediatric hematology is uh, dis- disorders or let's say uh, diseases related to blood so blood diseases like thalassemia uh, hemophilia and and i think these are like a few common ones and pediatric oncology is like dealing with cancers in children so right. like um, that is leukemias lymphomas yeah. or neuroblastomas and all so i'm sure it's it's not easy to see anyone in distress um let alone children in in that stage of their lives where they have to go through a such a sensitive um scenario with their families and it's a cancer you don't you know cancer is such a um scary word for a lot of people who have gone through whether within their families or friends how did you got into it or from medicine's point of view i'm sure you know you've gone into medical school but what motivated you to choose this as an option for your career forward uh well um i would say um like when i got into medicine uh, like the basic um, medical training i mean i somehow um i didn't know that i wanted to do medicine but I, then i i did know that i don't want to do anything else so it was something like the the uh, the thing that that you know, the rest of the things yeah, yeah but then um, uh, after i did my medical uh, school so i was like after that i was like very sure that i want to go into pediatrics and not going to any other specialty and in pediatrics per se i kind of you know always um, like doing uh, sub specializing in in certain um, areas where there's something uh, new coming up i mean there are a lot of sub specialties in pediatrics which are like uh, it everything is there like in right. the textbooks and i mean there's no uh, new uh, avenues which are opening and things which are happening and new drugs coming in or new treatment modalities which are there so right. i mean this this area is like quite uh brimming with new things coming in like new diagnoses and yeah. new treatments mm-hmm. and something it's like um it's like challenging to kind of work with it day in and day out so somehow i i just you felt it's right for you yeah. and you can add value to it to the society uh hopefully <laughs> i don't know 
I mean, like you said, the diagnosis is improving, so the incidence rates are improving across the world. And But on the other hand, uh, pharma companies are suddenly realizing that they don't have any blockbuster drugs in their pipelines. So they tend to now focus on whatever they have and try and make the best of it. So they will trial it in, once they've exhausted their adult population and it's gone off patent, they will suddenly then try it in, 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 in you know, the pediatric population across the world. So how, and you said that it's, it's contributing to the pediatric side of things in a positive way, that it's giving new hope, it's giving better drugs, it's give, offering better outcomes for, for, for young patients. What's, what's the prognosis like for, for children who have cancer as compared to adults? So uh, just uh, like just to get on the first part that you said, so uh, I mean it's not that we are just uh, extrapolating things from the adult population to the pediatric one because the spectrum of uh, cancers that we see in adult population is like different. very different to what we mm-hmm. see in the pediatric population. So that's one. And uh, second, uh, even in the pediatric population, there's a, uh, there's a lot new research which is coming up for treatment of cancers. I mean like we are still into the uh, chemotherapy phase but then we are moving towards more and more targeted therapies for like certain uh, types of cancers in children which can be targeted so i mean yeah i mean there's a lot of scope for new things coming up for treatment and and yes of course so like uh, in terms of outcomes i would say outcomes of cancers in children is much better than outcome of cancers in the adult population because i mean uh, children who have cancers uh, they once if they are treated and they uh, like they go into remission and then they do well on treatment then they can be long-term survivors like they can you know grow up like us normal. they can go to normal school go to college grow grow up get married mm-hmm. so they are like long-term survivors in pediatrics so it's like like in in the adult population the survival is like restricted a few years when you're you are looking at any elderly person who is having cancer, we just speak about like a survival of two years, three years, five years, whereas in pediatrics, we always speak about long-term survival. So the outcome is very good. The prognosis is That's very, interesting very good. Because one would have thought that in adults where it's the more in developed immune system, um, the chances for you know cancer-free survival are, 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 are is longer compared to kids. But this is quite an eye-opener to learn that you know in, in kids it's quite the other way around. That they and, tend to... and one more thing, like when when we are speaking about uh, cancers in adults, we should also uh, bear this in mind that we are also dealing with a lot of comorbidities. Like mm. a, an elderly person who's had cancer probably also has diabetes, also mm. has hypertension, also has had a clot somewhere, mm. or maybe has had mm. some prostate issues. Yeah, so I mean it's outcome. it's a lot of morbidity put together. Mm-hmm. So and and yeah, so even cancer per se in the adult population is bad. So like all of the rest of it adding to it is like makes it worse. So it's a growing area with with a, with lots happening, and you know it's 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 good all around for the pharma and for for patients in general. Yeah. So we had the healthcare uh, in Indian healthcare summit, Indian UK healthcare summit here quite recently at the Houses of Parliament, and basically what they were trying to put forward as an as the main agenda for the meeting is how can we bring um, how can we make the healthcare um, world smaller by bringing more specialists together in discussing different cases knowledge sharing um, and actually integrating 
having a more integrated model where specialists are talking to each other on a more unified basis. Of course, there are the symposia, there are the congresses that you know people tend to go for. But in in a world where we are constantly having to come up with new solutions, new new treatments, it's it's much easier to get onto an app, for example, and connect to a specialist sitting in Canada, or even talk to your patient. Um, about their disease condition on an iPad, for example, it's 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 actually gaining a lot of traction. What do you think about digitalizing healthcare in general? What, is is it something that is integrated in medical practices in India, or is it something quite new right oh, now? Within within your specialized area. Uh, well, I I wouldn't say that it's it's uh, the app based thing is like so much into it. Yeah, so I mean, uh, if we look at the uh, the uh, app based forums. It it does work amongst the uh, practitioners in the same field. Like let's say oncol like let's say pediatric oncologists like in India, all over. So they uh, they do get together on the app based things and discuss cases and all. But even apart from that, like just as you said, the knowledge sharing part and all. So like my uh, like a part of my training also includes the uh, bone marrow transplants thing and the the oncology thing and everything so i mean there are world forums like uh, siop and nccn so these are the platforms where pioneers in these fields like meet every year there are there are specialized uh, events for the transplant physicians that's asbmt and all so they kind of meet there discuss cases and there's always an avenue to you know uh, communicate with your experts in the fields uh, experts as in i would say people who've written guidelines and who've yeah. been like the ones who've devised the conditioning protocols for the transplants and all so i mean um, you know it's it's like help is just a hand away yeah uh, and it's yeah definitely in terms of collaboration and all even then we're like getting closer to it so i mean it's it's always possible to write to an expert in germany and then ask like i have so and so patient and like anonymously but then mm. i mean what would you do in that case and it's it's always worth doing that because it makes makes uh, you know healthcare quite uh, accessible to everybody and that expertise is something that we kind of you know gain out of it so it's it's always mm. worth it yeah and it gives you more gives especially more confidence yeah. in in treating of patients yeah. you've obviously practiced quite a few years in india now and specialized in in you know oncology what are some of the challenges that you face while you know practicing in india vis-a-vis if you you know your perception of how healthcare here would be or in the west just the setting part of it um uh well so um like where i have trained in india it's like i've trained in like trained as well as practiced in both centers like government as well as private sector okay. so when uh, we speak about practice in india we of course are dealing with a lot more volumes yeah. one second the healthcare there is uh, like not sponsored as in there's no uh, no national healthcare service which is available there mm-hmm. and so you know everywhere everywhere there's a different way of getting uh, getting treatment but treatment in government hospitals is very subsidized is that right uh well yeah i mean they they would do uh, what best they can do mm-hmm. but yes there's a difference of care that you would always and find. access to let's say branded drugs uh access to uh, drugs is probably one of it maybe that that does not so much as an issue as to the uh, non availability probably of of major uh, 
you know infrastructure to uh, to kind of pitch in with mm-hmm. certain kind of things like uh, bone marrow transplants and all those things and um, plus uh, the uh, what i would say is i mean uh, there's not a lot of awareness about it so i mean if you uh, if you go to a peripheral uh, place or a, or a rural area i mean the 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 basic awareness of that early pickup thing is not there mm. so i mean i mean the thing that should have been picked up at like probably at a week mm. of symptoms would just go on lingering and yeah. would be picked up so quite a day when it's yeah, yeah yeah so and that same thing holds even for other disorders like like bleeding disorders and mm-hmm. the clotting disorders and all mm-hmm. just to be like an overall perception of it and purview of it whereas uh, healthcare in in uk is of course like a government sponsored thing and um what about it's more channelized private and, practices back in india what 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 you know would you say the private practices in india in terms of facilitating treatments access to treatments and the overall patient support would would match up with uh, settings here in the west so uh, like back in india i mean the expertise would be there probably both yeah. at both uh, avenues like government as well as private but yes private uh, healthcare is um, is is good there uh, that's that's not a doubtful thing but then i mean of course it's it's you who are paying for it and it's not everybody's cup of mm-hmm. tea and not everyone has a private insurance there so i mean at times people end up paying from their own pockets mm-hmm. and um, you know for several things like uh, like let's say uh, for hemophilia or something where you might want to put your child on a prophylactic regimen but then just buying factor for that uh, thing would cost you a month's salary mm-hmm. so i mean it's it's mm-hmm. it's a little iffy thing to speak about but but yeah i mean i mean uh, in india like we are doing the best that we can but yeah there are a lot of challenges mm-hmm. because uh, you know uh, the resource allocation and the advocacy for getting mm-hmm. things done is something which mm-hmm. needs a more push probably yes. and because in 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 a country like uk everything is channelized and everything is in place mm-hmm. so i mean we are we are just accessing things which are already there and it's that's why it's mm. it's easier done yeah it's interesting the word awareness you used i mean from your experience how aware you think your patients or your patients families are with the word cancer or the the condition of the child do you think you have to educate them to a basic level to understand what the child is going through is that do you see that as a challenge or do you see that as a part of your practice yeah so i mean um, it is a challenge there uh, so it, the level of awareness differs with the uh, with the target audience and the population that we are catering to so maybe if you go to a rural population not many people would be aware about cancer and you know a uh, uh, fever of let's say 2 3 weeks would just go on like that and the patient would come to notice only when he's actually dropped his counts and he's like really pale and he's fatigued and he's pains all over and then somebody would just pick it up or saying oh maybe this is leukemia or something like that and whereas if you uh, if you look at the uh, the urban population probably it's it's because uh, like as the education level goes the parents are probably now getting more and more aware about it while they listen to it on tv radio they google it up so i mean that is a little different at different setups maybe 
but uh, so i wouldn't say uh, like the awareness is completely lacking but yeah it should be uh, mm-hmm. like more and it should be more f- just not for cancer but for several other hematological disorders as well because the thing that i find is like i mean um, it is it is especially true for bleeding disorders like there are several bleeding disorders which are just not picked up in the community and i mean somebody would just uh, not look into it unless it's 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 in your face saying that please pick me up i'm so and so so it's it's like kind of do you also think people live in denial in a way that they don't think anything bad could happen to them and they would probably try to use you know allopathy you know what is that ayurvedic and herbal and all those kind of treatment before they actually jump on to a thought that it could be scary as scary as cancer uh so the acceptance thing i mean see everyone would be in a state of de- denial initially mm-hmm. but uh the acceptance is there it's it's not that the acceptance is not there and i wouldn't say that everyone just jumps on the alternate modes of treatment first but there are some of the uh patients who just think that and it's more so because uh, they don't actually know that the survival rates are so good the prognosis for pediatric cancer is so good and so probably they just think that oh it's it's anyways not going to matter so let's just not get into it but no i don't think it's it's so much of a problem like not not a lot of my patients who i've seen go to alternate treatment modalities as the first line i mean they might go to an alternate modality when they have not responded to the first line treatment or they've relapsed after the first line treatment and like there's very minimal hope left in that case they might just turn to it but not otherwise mm. it's a it's a curious question so feel free to pass if you don't want to say it but what would be the cost for let's say in private hospital to go through a treatment i'm sure it's a range of depending on what kind of cancer it is so if just to put a number to that uh, do you think it you can come up with a range just for our listeners to understand what would a treatment like a oncology or you know cancer within pediatric world would cost in a private setting in india so i wouldn't definitely pass that question because i actually want to uh, i i want to point to it that not so much that it would cost a huge amount but i also want to point towards it that it it might not cost so much so actually it's worth giving it a shot so i mean it it matters on a lot of factors so it it matters from uh, the age of the patient the weight of the patient because dosage in pediatrics is weight based one second is it depends on the type of cancer different cancers have different durations of treatment different intensities of treatment plus it also matters like uh, the hospital where you get the treatment done even in the hospital like the the type of uh, uh it's as simple as the type of beds that you opt for whether you you opt for a bed in a cubicle or a single room something like that the procedures that you have to undergo the chemotherapy or radiotherapy that is given so it and it can differ on a lot of other factors as well like like the number of admissions to the hospital that you need for complications or if it's just a smooth sailing thing it might just cost less so it can be anywhere between let's say 3 to 4 lakhs to something like 15 lakhs maybe and it also depends whether uh, that child for that particular cancer would because since he would he might fall into a high risk category whether he would need a bone marrow transplant or not mm-hmm. and if he does need that it would obviously hike the cost 
cancer is one of the disciplines in healthcare or pharmaceuticals which has gained so much traction, traction in the media, traction by people. Everyone seems to be discussing someone they know who has cancer or someone or, or they themselves have had the experience of it, unfortunately. But on the other hand, we also know that, and it's no secret that some of the biggest pharma companies have that as their major pipeline. That, and that's going to make them a lot of money over the next five to ten years because these are yet to be launched products for them. So what's your take on the fact that for a condition or for a disease area that's getting so much attention from all around, uh, where do you see treatments going in future? And how do you think things working from the, for the pharma and things working out for the patients? And how is it going to impact whether it's going to become, whether the cases of cancer are suddenly going to be uh, declining? as a result of more awareness when people are going to start really taking care of, of themselves a little bit more when they get to know about the causes or do you think pharma is going to be have the last love? love? Um, um, to look at the incidence of cancer, I, I don't think that it's going to go down. Mm -hmm. Not because people are, are like, not just because that the awareness is rising, but the incidence of cancer per se is increasing. Because it diagnosis? Maybe, it can be that, but it's not just that. Uh, so it, it, it it is also because there are so many environmental factors like the uh, chemicals and, and a lot of viruses have been now found to be associated with cancer and the, the environmental pollutants which are there. So there are n number of things which are contributory to the rise in the incidence of cancer. Plus we now are looking at a population that's living 70, 80, 90. Yeah. So we are looking at longer longevity, longevity and with that it's a part of it so we would be seeing more cancers so I don't think anywhere in the near future it's going to go on a downwards trend and um, for the uh, new upcoming drugs so I would say that the the targeted therapy that you are speaking about is more in the adult cancer population but yes in even in pediatric oncology we are coming up with newer molecules we are coming up with uh, the better formulations of chemotherapy and stem cells as well stem cells yes as a technology we are coming up with more and more bone marrow transplants more safer ways of doing it mm -hmm. like as into device conditioning regimens which are uh, quite okay tolerable and and yeah so we are coming up with a lot of new things and that of course would improve the outcome rates would improve the cure and care and and I mean, I think this, um, there's nothing better than having more options on our plate as treatment modalities. And But if the, if, if the longevity is improving, if the treatment is improving, if the survival rates are improving, why do you think the condition is still taboo? Why the very word cancer is, is such a big taboo well, in society? Uh, I, I think it's not as much as a taboo now that it was earlier but yeah I mean and I mean there's a lot of a lot of understanding a lot of talk about it now and people as they see more and more cancers like both in adult as well as pediatric population they are coming people are coming to terms with that that okay now this is one of the diseases and I mean it's just best to kind of deal with it accept it head on yeah Sorry, so talking about these new technologies coming into the, the field of um, pediatric oncology and, you know, the subject matter expert like yourself working in this uh, field, how do you keep abreast to these uh, new technology coming 
uh, into the field and how do you educate yourself or keep, you know, uh, is there in any funding from, from the private institutes that you work for? Do they send you on these trainings or do they, do they push you to take some time off to make sure you know what's, what's, you know, what's new in the market? Uh, so in terms of the new modalities of treatment that are coming, like as, as we would have already spoken about bone marrow transplants and all that, so there are international uh, boards and international forums uh, which conduct meetings every year and which are uh, huge learning opportunities like you can go there, listen to the experts in the field and kind of get mm. knowledge. Moreover, the, uh, the major institutes around the world have uh, learning opportunities like they, they have training posts wherein you can apply and uh, probably go there and train as as a fellow for a year or two, gain expertise and then come back and work in your own center. So yeah, I mean, just as we spoke earlier that um, the world is getting uh, closer in terms of sharing of knowledge and the expertise and all. So yeah, there are a lot of uh, uh, forums and all. And there are also online um, discussion platforms wherein uh, like it's... Uh, I mean, I, 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 you should just pardon me for using uh, the technical things. But then there are onboard classrooms where we can discuss cases and, you know, and even the experts in the same field would participate and they would give their own opinions as to what their take would be on such things and something like that. So coming back a little bit, rewinding your life to your uh, education and actually studying med- in medicine. Uh, what kind of college did you go to and what was the training like for you as a medical student and what do you think, how did how would it differ to study medicine here in the UK? So, um, like going to my uh, training back in India, so like after plus two, I... Plus two is actually... Class 12? Um, A-levels. A-levels in okay. the UK, yeah. Okay, yeah. so after that I did my medical school uh, in India from Surat. And then I uh, did my post-graduation in pediatrics, also from Surat, post which I've worked for a year as a senior resident in Delhi, uh, in, in a hospital called Ramanavaloya Hospital. And then I've done my uh, national board fellowship, that's a two years course, which is a national board thing, from Gangaram Hospital, Delhi. And post that I've worked in like two different hospitals, each for a year, that was Fortis and Medanta in Gurgaon. So that's what is like my my background and my training and the difference in training uh, in India versus UK. So um, if, if I go back and uh, remember my post-graduation, so the training there is like, uh, I mean the hands-on experience that uh, would be available at both the places would be like quite comparable. comparable. But yeah. Uh, one thing that uh, is there is like uh, there in India, the the training is like quite um, rigorous, intense. Uh, I wouldn't say rigorous. Even it it might be rigorous here as well. But the number of hours that we put in are not regulated. So I mean, you end up doing a lot of more number of hours in training. And talking about uh, medical training in UK, uh, like the structure is a little different, but then I think the training at both the places I like is like quite comparable. And that's it. So in terms of the therapy area and specialization, I think um, you're probably in one of the most challenging areas of, uh, of healthcare, where you not only have to prepare the patient, i.e. the child, 
but the the the, the level of um, you know psychological uh, psychological help and support that the parents need is is beyond uh, imaginable. So, um, what are your thoughts? How does that add to the overall disease burden uh, when it comes to you know uh, oncology in children? So if we talk uh, about pediatric oncology in terms of the uh, burden to the family, actually, you know, it would be huge in terms of the emotional burden, in terms of, of the financial burden, because when you're looking at a child who's having cancer, so unless uh, we're talking about adolescents, like most of those children would be like in their five-year age, seven-year age. So we're looking at young parents who probably just you know started their career and like kind of you know saving for their own house or their own family probably they are further planning to advance the family and here there is uh, there's a diagnosis of cancer for the child and so it's a, it's a huge uh, burden not just financially but also emotionally and i mean it it needs a lot of you know support for these uh, young parents to kind of take the news just you know motivate their own selves the and and especially you know kind of as you said the taboo of cancer which especially dwells in the minds of the older generation probably so you know kind of just break that news to the family and then convince and take everybody on board to you know kind of just embark on that difficult journey of you know yeah let's just go and do it and let's give our child the best hope that he has so i mean yeah it it does take quite you know take quite a toll on them well all we can say is the work you're doing on this is absolutely commendable and uh, you know i mean just the fact that you're a doctor a medic medical in the medical profession um, and supporting our community the way the way you are is is you know beyond imaginable and we wish you all the luck and um, may they be light and support with people like you and thanks very much for sharing your time with us today dhwani we, we really enjoyed our time thank thanks. you very much for having me here hope you enjoyed listening to this episode you can catch all upcoming episodes on the website globalize-asian.co.uk or via your iOS or Android devices. Also, if you wish to join us as a speaker and share your story, please do drop us a message via the contact form on the website. That's it for now from Gagan and Vatsala. Thank you very much, guys, for listening to our podcast. A quick shout-out to our supporter for the podcast, Royal Beans. Royal Beans is a premium artisan chocolate brand operating out of the city of Bangalore in India. Currently, they are offering Belgian chocolate bonbons infused with interesting flavors like cappuccino, masala chai, dark chocolate ganache, sea salt caramel, and many more. Just visit their website on royalbeans.in and order for yourself or get it delivered to your loved ones in major cities across India. As a listener of a podcast, you are entitled to get 10% discount on the order value when you use the code GLA10 at the checkout. So go ahead and check it out.